Down Poinsettia, Chapter 18, where the kids stay warm. It was well in October, and the terms of my living arrangement between me, B, and Summer were working out real good. I'd spend Monday through Thursday with Summer, and I'd kept my ass over in B's on Alta Vista Friday through Sunday. This was a very slutty moment of my life, you know? It was very slutty-like, yeah, it was, that's right. And I had permission. Yeah. Summer gave it to me. If you guys have sex, it doesn't bother me. It bothered me. One time I come home hanging out with Barrick to find Summer over there at Alta Vista in bed with B. They were both completely nude waiting on me to get home so we could have a threesome. It would have been my first. All they were under was a sheet. I could see right through it. Oh, my God. Those were two beautiful, naked creatures. But reluctantly, idiotically, foolishly, gayishly, some might say, I walked away. (laughs) Can you fucking believe it? I turned it down. No, I'm not a fucking prima donna. I'm a fucking horny-ass young man, but... Well, damn it, I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested. You know why? It wasn't that I didn't find B attractive. I just wasn't attracted. And besides, I didn't want to share summer with anybody. Being that I already had to fucking share with every fucking swinging dick millionaire, Beverly Hills, Beller, goddamn Brentwood. That's just how I felt about it. Yeah, Summer and B were in bed waiting on me, and absolutely, I just wasn't interested. I really love Summer, and I wasn't going to confuse the fucking issue. Anyway, it was a real slutty time in my life. Not enough to stop me from living that way. Let's get that right. B and I would hang out. I love cooking for, barbecuing for. Going places with her. Bear could come over to bees. We'd all hang up out on the roof drinking wine every night, watching them do movies and blow up shit around town. Her neighbor, Ricardo, would come out and all his Mexican friends, they'd fucking rip me off playing poker. <laughs> when I got a break away from Beatrice, it was, of course, it was great. I got to spend the entire week with Summer, you know? We got to live like a real couple. I mean, it was like probably the most normal time in our relationship. We go to the pier, go to the Beverly Center, go to the beach at night. We'd watch, you know, TV shows, regular TV shows, popular TV shows like 30-something. Remember that show, 30-something, that flash-in-the-pan show? We watched it every week. We loved it. Leave it to me, Mr. Starstruck. I was the one to spot Melanie Mayron. In Ralph's, yeah, on the cookie aisle. I'd seen and talked to her before. When we saw each other, we'd like, hey! And I'd say, hey, this is my girlfriend. We love the show. Of course, Summer laughed her ass off. Yeah. yeah. She wasn't as enthusiastic as I was. <laughs> Matter of fact, she put her face in the canned goods and laughed her ass off. <sighs> she just... 
She didn't give two shits for celebrities. Celebrities never impressed her at all. Me, so starstruck. Look, Weird Al Yankovic shopped in there, too. I fucking followed him around the store like a stalking idiot. Summer would just make fun of me. <laughs> make no mistake about it, though. I stayed busy. I didn't sit on my ass at home all day. I worked. Yeah, day and night. I don't know. Put me out there on TV shows like Fire, Relief Majors, and stuff. And I'm staying busy. Yeah. Summer was out there making killer money, doing what she did, whatever she did. I didn't want to know. I knew what she did, but I didn't think about it. And I made shit money. But the, the money I made was mine. See? That was important. That's why every time Michelle called me from Central, I picked up that fucking phone, I called her back, and I went to work. I wanted to stay busy. I really did. I wanted to have my own fucking money. Yeah, I worked on CBS or some shit made for TV movie or whatever. Uh, with Lee Majors called Fire, you know, in front of the biggest, tallest downtown skyscraper. Worked on that movie for several weeks, you know, wearing full tank gear and shit. Mr. Majors, very polite, very nice man. Talked to everybody. There wasn't a bunch of us out there, but there's. There was just something in being out there working that I had to do. It kept me connected and away from what Summer did. I, I guess that's why I did it. I'm, I'm guessing. Beatrice had offered to let me use the, you know, Ninja to go to work down there at night. As long as I locked it up good so it didn't get stolen. But no, no, no. Summer insisted that I use the Mercor. Yeah, had an alarm on it and everything, so I had to use that. That meant Summer had to stay home, you know, on our nights together. If I was working, she was at home. So, after the uh, third week of working on fire, yeah, Summer was getting frustrated. I could tell she's getting pissed, but she didn't say anything. She let me finish my contract out there on that movie. And um, oh, the best thing about it, I never saw the movie, but I did see the very end of it, and I'm pretty sure in that last shot when, you know, Deputy Chief Starling, a.k.a. Lee Majors, is you know, taking that stoic look up at the skyscraper, which had finally been extinguished. And right over his shoulder in the background, being that I was the only one out there here the same color as the fire itself, sure. I shared a final fade to black movie shot with the bionic man. Fucking A. B and I. We're still a couple of weeks out from our sit-down with the uh, folks down in immigration. We suddenly got a surprise call from the attorney out in Century City. The one in the Die Hard building? Yeah. He asked if the two of us could come to his office in Century and have an impromptu sit-down. It was important. Well, B called me at Summers and informed me of the meeting. I think Summer and I were just cleaning house and just, you know, messing around, not really doing anything. So I dropped doing that important shit and immediately ran out to Sunset across from Ralph so B could pick me up. After a little bit, she come whipping around in her red car and I hopped in like a cheap fucking hooker.
What we didn't know is this was a premeditated act on behalf of the lawyer handling our case and the folks at immigration. I still don't know why he did it, but if I had to guess, I'd say he did it. He did it for me. We arrived at the skyscraper in Century City early in the afternoon. I looked around quickly for John McClain. I didn't see him, made my stupid jokes, and we went inside. After getting past his secretary, we stepped into the office of our attorney. He met us at his office door. As three of us walked in immediately, I I noticed a man and a woman sitting on a sofa in the uh in the adjoining room next to his office. Yeah, the one the one that I just spoken to him in privately just a couple of months prior about B. Well, that made me kind of nervous, I guess. B and I both stepped over, shook his hand and and took seats in front of his desk. The lawyer walked back behind and plopped down in his leather chair. Ah, right, guys, that's Mrs. Tucker and Mr. Newell. They're with immigration, he informed us. By the way, I'm just making up names. I don't remember their fucking names, okay? I looked over at B. Her eyes got huge. Immigration? She whispered. Really? I said right behind her. Yeah. Yeah, a lawyer confirmed. They're here about uh, your case and others. Comfortingly, I tried to rub B's neck. See, it's okay, hon. Well, hold on, the 40-something-year-old lawyer interrupted. You know, we have some red flags that they want to work out. And Well, guys, I'm going to be frank, our lawyer continued, closing her folder. They believe this marriage to be fraudulent. Now, I'm going to defend you, and I'm going to represent you, he continued. But today is the day we're going to have to make a tough decision. Upon saying that, he crossed over and he looked at me, actually moving his chair with him. Stanley, before you speak to those folks in there, I just want you to know, those folks want to speak to you because they suspect this marriage to be fraud. Fraudulent. It's a felony. Breathing hard at that point. My yeah, pulse rate was through the fucking roof. I looked over at B. She was looking at me. Oh, God. Stan, anything you say today doesn't count. The lawyer stressed. But anything after today, and it counts. What exactly are you saying? We just got here, I asked, mildly frustrated. The lawyer opened up the file again. Meanwhile, I heard the chatter between the uh, two people sitting from immigration in the fucking next room. They were listening. Fucking great. That's what I thought. Beatrice, Stan, here's a couple of things immigration agents would like to speak with you about. Both your names are in the apartment lease in uh, West Hollywood, but of course Stan's name is absent on the lease itself. Matter of fact, his name didn't show up until just right before you got married. They're going to question that. Tapped his ballpoint pen on his desk and continued. Gas bills in B's name. Electric, water. Everything is in B's name. Has been. 
Small chill ran up the back of my neck. Cars in B's name, insurance too. Motorcycle is in your name, he smiled. Yeah, yeah she put it in your name after she bought it. Now I was starting to get a little irritated. I was starting to wonder why B wouldn't lean across the desk and knock the fuck out of this guy. Yeah, mixed feelings. Thinking fast, I offered up a reason for not having anything in my name without really having to bullshit that much. Hey, look, my credit's bad. That's why we have everything in her name. I've got bad credit. And our own attorney continued. See, I got the uh, copy of the marriage certificate, and, um... Our lawyer closed her folder again and got serious. We have a problem, B. We have a problem, Stan. Okay? These aren't the only flags that they're looking at. So what is problem, B said, with her fist clenched? Fucking I. But your friend, Stan, Ricardo... The one who lives in the building, the one who introduced you to and how to fell, you know, you fell in love and everything. Ricky, what about him? I said forcefully. Yeah, it's unfortunate that when immigration called him and um, he vouched for the, you know, decades that he's known you that he couldn't remember your last name. I looked at B. Her eyes were closed. Oh, my God. Yeah. B's neighbor, Ricardo, had, you know, signed the marriage license and wrote a vouch for me and everything. And Fuck! I sat silent but scared out of my mind. I knew them fuckers in the next room were listening. B remained speechless. What could we say? Hey, Stan, the lawyer whispered. I looked at him. He was tapping his finger on his desk. Yeah? He pointed down towards my finger. Where's your wedding ring? Summer's bedroom is what I should have said, but I didn't. As a matter of fact, it was sitting in the back of the sink. Summer's bathroom. He joined in the combo. Baby, where's the ring? Baby, I'm, I left it on the sink at home. After that, no one said a word for, I don't know, forever. As far as I was concerned, this is the end of the fucking road for me. I coughed and ran both my hands over my face before finally I, somebody had to fucking say something. What am I supposed to do, man? I said, looking up at the young attorney. No dramatic pause. Without even a blink, he immediately said, renounce. I looked over at B. I looked at him. He was nodding his head. Announce the uh, marriage and walk away. My heart was pounding. I mean, once again, of course, I nervously shifted in the chair and looked at B. He was already staring at me again. B, I... Consider um, this, Stan. Our lawyer warned. Everything right now is off the record, okay? But from here on out, if we go forward and we take it beyond this meeting right here, there are no holds barred. What are you saying? That's what I'm trying to fucking figure out. Are you a lawyer or not? I finally lost it. I finally said something. Stan! He said gesturing to B without getting too excited. 
If they prove that marriage to be fraudulent, she gets deported back home. You go to prison. Oh. I actually said it. The word actually escaped my mouth. Just like that. Oh. I shook my head and I looked down. Oh. I know those immigration fuckers in the next room are sharpening their daggers. Oh. They already knew this is bullshit. They hadn't heard any convincing French kissing or any... Short of humping her on the attorney's table to prove I could get it on with her. What am I... Which road are we taking, Stan? He calmly asked. I looked him square in the eye. I can walk away. You can walk away, he assured me. Be sat with a completely stunned look on her face and... Oh, I wanted to help her, but I couldn't go to fucking prison for her. I won't. Have a safe trip back to Denmark, P. We were both so fucking stunned when we walked out of our lawyer's office who said he would get the paperwork started on annulling the marriage. I didn't see it coming. I didn't encourage it. I'm very happy that B didn't kill us on the way back to West Hollywood. B is one of the sweetest girls you'd ever want to meet. Heart of gold, but she, but she's got a volcanic, fucking explosive temper. You don't know which fucking way it's going to go. And that's what makes her so dynamic and beautiful. Yeah, you're scared for your fucking life when she's pissed. I regret failing her to this day, but for the record, I'm also very thankful that she didn't Run us into oncoming traffic. On the contrary, the drive was uneventful, peaceful, calm and quiet. She hardly said a word. I know it wasn't that far of a drive from Century City to West Hollywood. I made sure I was well within walking distance before finally speaking up. What else could I do, B? She agreed and wasn't even upset with me. She was mad at the lawyer who was supposed to represent us, and, well, he sent us up. B. Broer, clenching her fist and throwing it over the dashboard of her car. After taking all my money, he sent us up. I couldn't have agreed more. That fucking prick. He called them. He bring them up, and he do that to us. Chided in. Yeah, the guy's a fucking prick. You mean write a letter or something? No, I get out of attorney. Okay. Okay, whatever you want to do, B. Whatever I can do to help, I'll help. That's all I can say. That's all I could bring myself to say. If I said I wasn't happy to be free from the marriage, I'd be a fucking liar. Was I sad for Beatrice? Absolutely. Would I have done more to help her? Absolutely. Was I selfish? Absolutely. I was in love. 
and I made a choice. God damn it, I'm sorry, baby. I'm really so sorry if you ever hear this. I really do give a shit. But anyway, um, for whatever reason, lawyer didn't want his name to be on that fucking fake marriage case. Yeah, that marriage, it was going to get me in a whole world of fucking trouble. I was only 20. I'd been married twice. B drove me all the way back to Alta Vista and, well, the gym bag she had loaned me just, you know, weeks prior is still over at summer, so I had to use the trash bag to haul all my personal belongings out of there, but fuck, she was crying on the phone to her family back in Denmark when I rolled. I said goodbye, but she hardly noticed. And yeah, I felt bad. I did. But I was happy. It was one of them rare overcast days in West Hollywood as I bound down the steps of Alta Vista Apartments out over to the fucking service road and then cut across over to Poinsettia. I hauled ass back home. I noticed the car in the parking garage near the front entrance of our building. I paged and she picked up and of course buzzed me in. I didn't let on that anything was different at all. I kept quiet until reaching the apartment. Door was already partially open when I got there. I walked in, locked the door. As soon as I stepped in between the aquarium and the TV, she stepped out from the kitchen and looked at me. Hey! She greeted. How'd it go? I threw the trash bag of clothes over onto the sofa. <laughs> I'm free. What? She tilted her head looking skeptical. I nodded right back. I'm not married to Beatrice anymore. What? She asked, setting her soda on top of the aquarium. Sorry. The marriage has been annulled. I expounded. I'm free. I'm not married anymore. The lawyer annulling it today. In an instant, she pulled her sweatshirt off. She wasn't wearing a bra. Her breasts spilled out from beneath the shirt, and her hair fell back over her shoulders. Oh. I stood silent, still next to the uh, yeah, entertainment center with an unquestionably stupid look on my face. She had a blank look on hers. She said nothing. She just immediately started pulling the string tie in her sweats. Her breathing was heavy. Yeah. She pulled her underwear and her sweats down together while simultaneously kicking her shoes off. What are you doing? I asked. I want you to fuck me, she said while kneeling over to untie her shoes. <laughs> For the record, it was the first time I had ever heard her curse. Right now, she said, standing up fully nude. I started kicking my boots off and started unbuttoning my shirt. On that, she started helping me. On the me. floor? Yes, Britt. Take your clothes off. I don't know what that was all about. I guess I was finally hers, and yeah, some other women would say she was peeing on me. I guess. I don't know. Women mistreated the entire male sex. Well, I certainly didn't mind being submissive to the mystery. Let's go down to the sunset grill. Watch the working girls.
This week's chapter of Bombing Down Poinsettia, a shorter audio version of a copywritten text yeah, that I wrote many moons ago about my days in Hollyweird. Hey, folks, you guys, thank you for listening to it because it really was an incredible experience and um, I needed to share it. But anyway, thanks for listening to it. I appreciate it. Hey, chapter 19, back, same time, same place, 8 p.m. right here. Stan the Joke Man Show, of course, be back on Friday, high noon. Till then, like and Dios me amigos. 